We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome Nets fans to another season review edition of the Brooklyn Buzz. With me as always, the incomparable, my good friend, Nick Faye. How are we, my friend? I'm doing great, Jack. No burner accounts for me. No burner accounts from you. Hopefully no burner accounts from many of the Nets boys. Hopefully no burner accounts from Sean Marks. Trust the progress. Uh, just remember, guys, make sure you subscribe to the Buzz on the iTunes, on wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow us on Blog Talk Radio. Hit us up on the uh, Twitter, at OTG Basketball, at OTG Nick, at the J-Man JBT. But, Nicholas, today we have the hyphen, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. We're going through his season so far. Uh, what were your just initial thoughts, initial musings about Rondé's season? I also have a hyphen in my name, if you didn't know. My name's actually Nick Diesingfay. So, hyphen love for Rondé right there. Yes, I've, always, I've always liked him since he's been drafted. High-energy guy. This year, he really started to develop his skills. You know, offensively, he improved a ton, almost across all of his categories. Points per game, he went up five a game. Rebounds, won a game. Assists up a half a half assist a game. Free throws went up. Field goal percentage went up. Free throw percentage went up. You know, there's just so much improvement to like from Rondé this season. It was amazing to see him do it all in one offseason. Like, you know, you see players make this type of jump. Usually it takes an offseason or two, but Rondé really did a lot of work this past summer. I'm interested to see what he'll do this summer as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I literally put in uh, an article out on OTG uh, a matter of hours ago on his season review. I uh, did coach Levert as well, and, and I saw some major similarities in, in their market improvement. Like, obviously, the, the coaching has a lot to do with it, but I think the you can't uh, take anything away from the two guys, especially Rondé, what, what he's been able to do to transform his game. I had that really, really early season piece on him on the new and improved RHA. And, you know, he only went from strength to strength, strength to strength throughout the season. All those things you mentioned, you know, if he's not in our, we had so much improvements across the board. You know, the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie was the most improved player uh, in that conversation for the NBA, we had so, so much improvement across the board that, you know, it's almost gets uh, lost uh, lost among all the, uh, the achievements that Rondé had such an awesome uh, jump this season too. Do you think there's an argument to be made that Rondé might have improved just as much as Spencer Dinwiddie? 
It, it depends on what you're looking at it from, I guess, Nick. In terms of, you know, Rondé's not as flashy as Spencer Dillon. Spencer Dillon is at the point guard, is running the floor a little bit. I think he sort of gets lost at playing the, at the four. Uh, obviously, he's he's undersized being 6'7", but, you know, there's so many guys, you know, Draymond Green playing 6'7", at the five, and, you know, PJ Tucker's barely 6'6". So I feel like he got lost. Uh, lost. Uh, he lost some kudos in, in that sense, and, and didn't get as many plaudits as he probably did deserve. And I, I feel like you know within the organization, he, he gets a lot of love, and he's a great teammate. We saw those um, those tweets going around and those Instagram photos of, of him getting dunked on by Jeremy Lin at that <laughs> barbecue, which was good fun, uh, despite Jalen Rose's musings. Thank you for taking the back, Mister Rose. Um, but it was good to see, you know, Rondé finally getting some credit that he deserves across the board. And he was also, you know, defending the net squad as well. So he's some, his leadership is, is one thing as well that uh, I think he sort of improved upon as well. Yeah, he's definitely a leader on that Nets team emotionally. And when he didn't play, the Nets were 2-12. and 12. And, you know, the Nets weren't a great team, but 2-12 and 12 definitely sticks out. And like you said, you know, he stuck up for the Nets when Jalen had to say to talk some shit. But at least, like you said, he took it back. Also, I think Rondé, one thing where he kind of had that, you know, the edge over Spencer is Rondé was way more consistent. You know, we kind of knew what we were getting from Rondé almost every game. You know, the high energy effort where Spencer had his months and some of that was D'Angelo coming in and out of the lineup. But I think Rondé was just a more consistent player. And I think there's definitely an argument there. But like you said, playing the point guard position, it's a little bit different, a little bit more on your shoulders. But I was really impressed. Overall, his energy, his heart, his leadership. I mean, I love his defensive, you know, defensive uh, versatility, you know, and his mid-range game improved so much. Also drawing fouls. You know, playing at that four, I think, really has helped him. He's come out and said he really likes playing the four, and that's his natural position now. And his ability to be a little bit quicker and attack some of these bigs, kind of get them in a weird position and draw the fouls, I think was huge for the Nets and something they'll really need moving forward if they decide to keep Rondé long-term. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned in my piece that he was top 10 in, in and one plays on the season with 38. And, you know, he was alongside guys like LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis. So he was in some illustrious company. And you mentioned those free throw attempts, you know, at 4.6 per game, you know, his percentage at around 77, 78%, uh, a pretty solid mark, you know, not as good as, you know, uh, Joe Harris and Alan Crabb. Um, I'd like to see that go up to the 80 range because I think, you know, if you've got that really solid foundation from the free throw line, you know, it can certainly help you when you're sort of spacing out to the perimeter. And obviously, he's got really nice lateral quickness. He's got a nice quick first step. And there are a couple of videos I posted on uh, on, on OTG with, with the article just showing how he's able to have got that quick first step and get into the lane, whether he's you know playing around from the elbow, that 10 to 16-foot range, or whether he's, he's even on the perimeter. You know, he's got some decent handles. Um, I think that's probably an area he can probably tighten up a little bit because we've seen him in transition, especially early in his career. You know, he's a really great sort of player in transition. And I think uh, that's probably an area that's sort of stagnated a little bit partly because it wasn't asked as much of him in terms of what this team is doing now and in terms of getting more transition to threes rather than transition sort of laps. Uh, and Carlos Levert was doing a lot of what he would probably do. So they sort of, you know, sort of clashed in that sense in terms of their skill set. But yeah, Rondé's uh, ability to get to the line was second to none. Yeah, very impressive. And just going forward, always getting to the free throw line helps the Nets, you know, helps the overall team, gets you a bucket when you need it. And Rondé almost earlier, you know, earlier in the season, he was like the bucket getter for the Nets. They needed a quick bucket. They'd throw it to him in the post. And like you said, he'd work one of the bigs, get to the free throw line, get one of those and one plays. And you mentioned transition. I felt like he calmed down a little bit in that. 
I also feel like Rondé could throw it down a little bit more. There's a couple times where he's had the opportunity to dunk the ball and he's tried to lay it in and he's missed. I think his dunks were down this year compared to the previous season. Obviously, he played more minutes this year. Some of that is opportunities. And another area, like we talked, mentioned Karis LeVert. You know, we mentioned Karis needs to cut more to the rim. I think Rondé could cut more to the rim too, especially being so athletic at that four position compared to some of the guys that he goes up against. Yeah, there was some some key clips that I sort of posted which showed him doing that. And obviously because when he's coming up against guys at the four, you know, he may have a, a real quickness advantage on them, um, especially against the sort of bigger, bulkier guys. And, and he needs to sort of use that sort of quick step. Um, he had that jumper that we know, that turnaround jumper that's sort of become his signature move, so to speak. You know, his points per game this year, he had 11 games where he scored 20 points or more. Uh, and he only had you know, 19 games where he scored less than nine points uh, out of his 68 games. So it was certainly he's a very consistent season for, for Rondé in terms of his scoring production. And, you know, it was just some, uh, a very consistent. For this very, season? Yeah, for this season. It was just a, a, a really important piece overall. Yeah, and I believe before this season, I think he's only, last season he only had two 20-point games or two 20-plus point games. So having 11 this year is just a huge jump. And kind of like we talked about the quickness, and the energy not only is that on the offensive end defensively he was second in the team in uh, deflections second in the team in contested shots obviously he was one of our best defenders and there's still plenty of room for him to improve but he definitely has the tools to be an elite defender in this league i think yeah do you see nick um rondo playing any any um time at the five next year i sort of posed that question a little bit in the sense that you know the league is trending smaller and smaller and if you know rondo mentioned to to the media that he wants to sort of start shooting that three a little bit more um, obviously, he's at a, a low. He did improve in that sense, but it's still at a lowly twenty four, twenty five percent. Do you see if he can sort of get that three point shot? Do you think that's going to be a sort of key piece for him to be able to stick around at the five? Yeah, I think not only the three point shot will be important, but I think the weight room, and that's something we've talked about on the Brooklyn Buzz a million times. A lot of yeah. these young Nets just need to get in the weight room, put on some size, you know, just get stronger, get tougher, get a little bit grittier. I think we saw a little bit of toughness from Rondé that we didn't see from some of the other young Nets, and he needs to kind of build on that. But I think the weight room will help him there. And then overall, just being a little bit better rebounder. He improved rebounding, but I think there is more of an opportunity, especially with his energy level. He could be in there getting more tip outs, also just fundamentally trying to box bigger guys out i think for ronde to play more minutes at the five it's going to be a rebounding thing yeah i think the rebounding thing in the sense that i, I mentioned this i think in Karis lavert's pod that he, he's uh ronde spoke to the media and saying that they emphasize guard rebounding i feel like ronde has that athleticism that sort of a uh, juice about him as you like to say um, to be able to have that sort of leap where he can sort of he, he's got really nice sort of bounce about him and, and i would trust him with the ball in transition you know the Coach Kenny uh, sort of emphasizes just getting the ball in transition and that quickness and that pace. The Nets look the best when they're at the pace, you know, getting, you know, a lot of sort of a lot of looks, you know, because obviously we don't have the talent, you know, let's move the ball quickly um, whenever we get that chance. So I feel like emphasizing that to an extent, it's sort of having him more of a initiating the offense at times um, when need be. I feel like Coach Kenny's developed that um, element of trust in that. Uh, I feel like a lot of Nets fans probably have these days. You know, there's an expectation on him that um, you know we didn't really have for Rondo. Normally, it's just like, oh wow, he got 15 points tonight. Whereas now, it's like you know we expect 15, five and five, uh, something around that, that those lines for, or 15, five and two or three. Um, and and I really think he's got a lot of room for improvement, despite the fact that he made such a big jump this year already.
Yeah, and it just it kind of gives you almost promise that he's going to improve a lot this offseason as well. And you talked about tidying up the handle. I think that's another thing where he can improve as a dribbler, ball handling, decision making a little bit. Sometimes he'll make a bad decision, take a bad shot. But if he can improve as a ball handler, that'll allow him to take the rebounds like you talked about, bring it up in transition, and then he's instantly in a mismatch. Because if he's in a guy that's bigger than him, stronger than him, but not quite as quick, now he has that guy in the open floor at the top of the key. He's going to be able to kind of embarrass him. We saw Rondé cross up some guys this season. Not to say that he doesn't have any moves, but like we said, he just needs to tighten it up. And I think the potential as a passer is there. I like the vision. He's made a couple great passes, but I think he can improve a little bit in that area too. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're only looking at the the best sort of form of any lineup is having multiple ball handlers, multiple passes, guys that can you know find the, the open man uh, as quick as possible. You know, you'd rather have a heap of ball handlers, a heap of guys who can pass, who can make a shot, who can get to the line. It just makes it so hard to defend any team in that sort of sense. You know, the Golden State Warriors are the prime example of that. Um, a, a piece on Nets Daily via uh, The Athletic, um, Bobby Marks made some comments, Nick, of the fact that he said the Nets shouldn't let uh, Ronnie Hoss Jefferson enter free agency in 2019 because um, obviously he'll have restricted status, but he's the type of modern forward teams look to acquire, one who can guard up to multiple positions, and he's still only 23 years old. Um, what sort of thing do you see you know, Ronde as a, a foundational piece for the Nets going forward? What is his role uh, with this rebuilding Nets squad? Yeah, it's very, it's, he's one of the toughest players in the Nets to gauge because we talked about a few things where he can really improve. And I think that three point shot is going to be the game breaker for him. If he can shoot 33, 35% from three and do the things that he does at the four position. And then, you know, we talked about some ability to play the five, improve as a rebounder, put on some strength, defensive fundamentals. You know, he's a really big piece of the future. He's not, you know, I don't know if he's an all-star type player. I mean, I don't ever want to put a, you know, a ceiling on somebody and say they can't be an all-star because I think there is potential for that for Rondé. But I think he's a guy that you do lock up, not only just because you want to keep him long term, but then because he's a trade chip. You know what I mean? He's like he's a guy that's going to be coveted across the league with the defensive versatility and possibly the offensive versatility he keeps improving. Having a guy like him, just think about how the Rockets play defense on the Warriors. They switch on everything. Rondé's a guy that can switch on everything. Like he can guard point guards, he can guard twos, he can guard threes, he can guard fours. He can guard most fives in the NBA because there's not a ton of bruisers out there. So the versatility is there. And I think when you have a piece like that, even if you don't want to keep him sometimes, you just lock him up because then you have that trade chip moving forward. But I like him in terms of being more of a complimentary piece, not somebody that you know needs to be your first or second best player, but he could be, probably be your fourth best player and have a lot of versatility if he continues to improve the way we've seen last offseason. Yeah, sort of an Andre Iguodala type, sort of that guy who could sort of just fit in anywhere. And I feel like, like a dream on light, like yeah, dream on light for sure. I feel like you know, a complimentary piece is the sort of perfect thing. You know, you've got you know, D'Angelo Russell is the the key sort of star. Karis LeVert might be that second or third guy, and Jared Allen. You know, if Rondé Hollis can be uh, space to floor uh, in any sense of the word, it's it's going to increase his market value uh, exponentially. Um, but at the same time, you know, th- there's going to be guys who aren't going to be able to shoot the three, but still have, you know, huge amounts of value. You know, Andre Iguodala is by no means lights out from there. It's just being able to sort of have that confidence to take it. Uh, and there were times where, you know, you might see even Draymond Green in, in these playoffs, he hasn't had that confidence. He sort of, you know, looked to pass it off. And even guys like James Harden, we, we've seen things happen. Confidence is such a huge thing. And I feel like you're with one day right now. He's developed that confidence in his game that, you know, he's told that, you know, he's confident and he wants to take more threes. Um, he told the media that. So the fact that he's already in that sort of mindset for me bodes well going forward. And, you know, 24% to a 33% is a huge jump. Um, 
I'd be, I'd, I'd be happy with anything around the 30% range because even then, you know, you're at least just somewhat of a threat. Um, you're looking at sort of what's going on in Boston right now with guys like Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, guys that are out of contract, but they don't know what their sort of market value is and what their future is. I think the the best move going forward, and this is the same thing for Ronde, is, you know, sign those guys on decent contracts, you know, and then you have them as, you know, mid-level sort of contracts that you can trade if need be as filler because you, know, you can't just have max guys and mid-level guys and max guys and rookie guys because that just doesn't work well for your salary cap situation. So I feel like Ronde's probably around that mid-range with a Joe Harris as well, um, and that just fits well. Uh, I, I think Joe Harris is more valuable in terms of the piece as not only... Um, with the Nets right now, but as a as a trade piece going forward, but Rondé certainly has some value um, within the organization and outside it. Yeah, I think Rondé. The interesting thing about him is how much is he going to improve this off season? How much is he going to improve next off season? You know, if somebody come out when he's a restricted free agent, offer him a ton of money. And you mentioned the Andre Iguodala thing. You know, actually coming out of college, Rondé had that comparison. You know, because you know Iggy wasn't the best shooter. He did have great passing. He was able to be a good defensive piece, and he could get inside and dribble a little bit. And you mentioned Rondé not being able to shoot the three. Even if he doesn't become great, I think one thing that will always help his confidence is his ability to get to the line, knock down a few free throws, and then all of a sudden you're feeling a lot better about yourself. So I think it's definitely – the Nets are going to know better than anybody because they're going to see him train. They're going to see his improvement. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they – you know, they feel a little bit more confident in keeping him because they know that he's such a hard worker and such a great leader for this team. Obviously, it's a business mindset, but some of those intangibles you have to take into account. Oh, absolutely. And, he, you know, he's we mentioned the fact that of how many 20-point games he had last year. He also had 12 double-doubles, whereas he only had 10 in his, in his first years in the league in his first uh, two previous seasons. So the, his improvement is, is out of sight. And, you know, he's, you mentioned the 2-12 and 12 without him. You know, him and Karis LeVert, when they were injured in February, uh, I mentioned on the Karis LeVert season review pod, you know, the Nets had a gaping hole left there. In terms it was of, ugly. It, it was. And, and in, when they came back, we just looked at a completely different squad. Now, these two aren't all-stars by any means, but the we are bereft of talent, the Nets are. You know, we're, not, we're by no means a playoff team. We're, we're uh, a long ways away from that. But whenever we have, you know, our good guys out there, our, our, our glue guys, our guys that can make an impact on either end of the floor, it just makes a world of difference. And it just makes, it, it lightens a load of guys like Spencer Dinwiddie. It lightens a load of guys like, you know, D'Angelo Russell um, and Joe Harris. It just makes uh, Alan Crabb. When you have, you know, your one to, to, to nine in all contributing in a squad that doesn't have an all-star at this stage, it makes things so much easier because you're getting that total buy-in, similar to what we saw from uh, the Boston Celtics this year, um, our famed rivals. Um, obviously, with what they've been able to do in the absence of not having their two all-stars in Kyrie of England and Hayward. Yeah, it helps that they have all of our picks. But <laughs> yeah. imagine, imagine Jalen Brown in a Nets uniform right now. God, it look good. I'd be pretty happy about it. I'd be happy about just taking one of those guys. Like, that's all. I don't need them all. Just give us one and we'll be pretty happy about it. I think... Well, Damien Little would be all right in the next uniform as well. Yeah, I don't think he'd be too bad. <laughs> but uh, Rondé, another thing that I think is an improve a little bit or just see more touches as a pick and roll ball handler like he was really successful being the role man he finished in the 82nd percentile in terms of being the ball handler during pick and roll obviously he didn't see a lot of touches but i think if he was able to develop some type of pick and roll with jared allen that'd be incredibly difficult to defend because both those guys are quicker than the average defender they're going to face yeah, I feel like pick and roll is is where a thing where the Nets can sort of really sort of get dangerous. Um, you know, you have multiple ball handlers like we mentioned, and if you know Rondé can work on his handle in the off season, you know, work on some set plays with Jared Allen. I feel like Jared Allen, we've we talked about in his season review pod, 
the the amount of upside that he has. You know, if Romney can learn to bring that out of him as well, he's got such a great partnership with Carlos Levert. You know, a lot of lineups with Ronde and Jared Allen don't haven't necessarily been you know the ideal fit. Uh, obviously, because neither of them can space the floor, the floor that well. But they do have yeah. um, both have great abilities at the line and the vertical spacing that Jared Allen has. And like you mentioned, Ronde has you know great verticality to him. He just didn't really have that sort of you know that will and that sort of toughness to sort of you know really throw it down. Apart from a few occasions, um, where I think in, against Miami in Miami he he threw down a couple which looked quite nice. So certainly he has all those elements and has all those tools to sort of be a be a very effective uh, pick and roll player. Yeah, I agree. Is there any area that you'd like to see Ronde improve on, or just see more touches in a certain area? I really liked his. Uh, I love the elbow. I just really the fact that he's already he he turned uh, not a known strength of his into an absolute weapon. You know, he shot uh, my shot chart from NBA Savant showed that he shot forty four percent from that left elbow. Um, you know, it's not the top by any means. You know, uh, lights out. But you know, you felt like it was a bucket most times. And I, and I tweeted out some video from. Uh, the Nets Daily guys showing the fact that he was able to just do that quite easily. Um, I just think that he's just got so many tools to be able to, you know, 2.5 assists per game. I reckon he can get it up to three or four. Um, it's just about what Coach Kenny sort of sees his role with this team because there's just so many other pieces, ancillary pieces around him that it's going to be like, what is everyone they going to be wanting to do in this offseason? I feel he's going to be jacking up a heap of three-pointers and there are times where his form looked okay. Um, but I'm just going to be interested to see his mechanics because his mechanics for that elbow jumper, we didn't see and being like anything uh, of what it would be today. And, and it just looked very, very smooth. Whereas that three-point jumper, three jumper mechanically still looks a little bit That's herky like a Yeah, a little bit hitchy, a little bit herky-jerky. So I think in the offseason, you know, the Nets have plenty of great uh, assistant coaches. If they can sort of get a really nice consistent form about it, you know, make it a little bit quicker, it's going to make him a really sort of important piece. And he's got so many other attributes that are working well for him. If he can make that uh, at least somewhat of a threat, you know, it's the obvious one, but I feel like it's obvious for a reason. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the three-point shooting, like I said, is going to be the game breaker for maybe his entire career in terms of where he lands. And obviously there's still plenty of other skills, but with the way the NBA is going, three-point shooting is just so important. When you can space the floor and then you offer defensive versatility like he can, I think that would just be enormous for the Nets or any team that he's on in the future. If you were to offer him a contract, Nick, if it's come 2019, you're Sean Marks. Uh, you know, he's out of contract. He's a restricted free agent. What would, on his current form and his current trends, his current upward trends, what do you think he earns within the Nets and on the open market? It's incredibly tough. I mean, I think a lot depends on where he play, how he plays his season, his three-point percentage. I wouldn't be surprised... Uh, it's so tough. It's, I, I don't, I, I want to say, I don't really have a great gauge of the, the salary right now of the NBA because of, I want to see what happens in this off season with such a big drastic change with teams going from having ton of cap to having no cap this off season. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he got a deal, not Marcus smart level, but a couple million less than what he gets per year, because I yeah. can see some similarities in their game. Yeah, I was literally going to mention Marcus Smart in that sense. That qualifying offer, I assume, is what Marcus Smart will get from the Celtics. Uh, he obviously wants 12 to 14, more than 12 to 14 million dollars. I don't think him or Ronde are in anywhere in that ballpark, especially in the current trends in the NBA. You know, a four to six million dollar range it would be. You know, I feel like Ronde would love. Uh, 
you know, I think that would actually be a little bit uh, – it might be on the cheaper side for him just because he's so young. And I think the fact that his defensive versatility is something that's going to be really coveted, especially by some teams that are trying to beat Golden State or a Houston-type team. When you have a player you can play out there that can really defend, like Rondé can legitimately defend one through four. Five, like I said, there's some question depending on who it is. But there's not many guys with his size and his activity and length and athleticism that can guard ones. Like, I actually feel pretty comfortable with Rondé. I mean, there was games where I want to say Bradley Beal was killing the Nets at one point, and Kenny went and switched Rondé on the Bradley Beal. Like, there was points where Kenny put Rondé on the other team's best offensive player. Yeah, I remember in that uh, Portland Trailblazers game, he would play like 37 minutes, which is unheard of in, in Coach Kenny's system. But he was just so important defensively and, you know, just guarding the, you know, the that backcourt in, in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. He's just so important and so integral to our defense. And, you know, having guys like Damari Carl around him certainly helped him. And I feel like he's he's just grown in leaps and bounds. And, you know, defensively, if he can maintain that. You know, if you're a defensive specialist in, in today's NBA, look at Andre Robeson. You know, he's literally got no – it should be Andre Robeson because he's got no <laughs> offense. There's no O. Yeah. Um, but Rondé has the ability to be – he's much better of an offensive player than, than Robeson. And, you know, he earns, you know, I think the three – is it a three-year 30, $30 million deal or two-year 20 million? I know it's 10 million per annum. So I feel like Rondé could get to, to that sort of range. Obviously, Robeson's probably – for me, I had him as a defensive player of the year candidate on the JVT awards show mid-year. So if Rondé could sort of be around that elite level range, um, he's certainly going to get himself a decent pay packet. Yeah, Roberson, like you said, you were spot on, Jack. He has two years left on his deal at 10 mil and then 10.7. And I think Rondé, I, I keep harping on that he's a great defender. I think he has the potential to be even better. He's just similar to Karras. They need to do some more film study, the fundamentals, just, you know, don't bite on things a little bit. Sometimes with Rondé, he tries to get blocks a little bit too much instead of just staying straight up. Obviously, he's a little undersized, so he has to do that at times. But I do think he has a tendency to bite on fakes a little bit. So just kind of being more disciplined. The potential is definitely there from an athletic standpoint, a physical standpoint. It's all about the mental standpoint for him to take the next step defensively. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't have – he's got a – a little bit higher for an IQ than Karras LeVert. Obviously, Karras is, is a little bit younger. But Rondé's obviously been around. The, it's almost like he's a vet within the, the Nets. It's locker. crazy so, to say, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was saying that the fact that, like, you know, he struggles against some bigger guys like Paul Millsap in the post. But he knows, you know, the, the tendencies of, of each sort of player, of, of, of those sort of matchups. So his experience has, has held him in good stead. You know, he's been around the... Uh, been around the way, so to speak. So I feel like his IQ is one thing that's the strength of his that probably isn't utilized. And his underrated experience, you know, three or four years in the NBA, that's when he starts to go, okay, I know where my place is now. And obviously looking at Victor Oladipo, he made a, a huge jump in his fifth year. So it's not to say that this is the ceiling of um, of Ronnie hollis Jefferson. I feel like he's still uh, a few years away from that. And he's certainly, there's certainly uh, a long ways to go for, for him to reach that. It's going to be interesting to see what that ultimate ceiling is for him. Like we said, there's so many question marks and it's going to be certainly fun looking into that crystal ball going forward. Yeah, and you almost could toss his rookie season under the rug because he did, I think I want to say he broke his ankle. He had a really serious ankle injury and I believe his his coach was um, Lionel Hollins. So I don't think he really learned much then or developed much at all because he wasn't really a big fan of young guys. Even Rondé still got minutes because of his energy. But I think with Kenny, like, it's almost similar to Karis Levert. We always bring up like, yeah, Rondé has some, you know, some good experience because he played so much last season and this season, but there's still plenty of growth too. So I wouldn't, like you said, with the Oladipo thing, there's no reason to think that Rondé can't make huge improvements this year and next year. 
Yeah, and I mean, the fact that it's happened in such a short span of time and, you know, within the year, he just was able to just be so confident in all areas of his game. Um, I, I feel like, you know, these sort of off-seasons bonding trips and, and seeing what's happening, you know, this is the first year this whole sort of net squad has been together. And, you know, they're certainly going to draft someone. There's the rumour of that 14th pick going around um, yeah. with what's going on with the Denver Nuggets right now. So there's obviously an intriguing piece for Sean Marks and plenty of other teams will be clamouring for that. So it's going to be interesting to see how sort of, you know, the Sean Mark sort of looks as at Rondé's role and, and where he sees him and where he sort of, he communicates that to Coach Kenny because Coach Kenny, obviously, um, he's a great communicator and he's a great players coach. And so that's why we saw such market improvement and such huge uptakes um, from guys like Rondé, Karis LeVert, uh, Jared Allen in his first season. All these uh, expectations were, were sort of lifted off. I feel like um, he mentioned that in the Howard Beck pod, you know, we need to have like a top 30 guy to sort of take that jump. You know, we've got top 100, maybe top 50 guys, but we need to have a top 30 guy. And I feel like, you know, Rondo Hollis-Jefferson doesn't have, you know, any sort of set expectations on him because, you know, you don't want to go, all right, you can't shoot three. You don't want to be sort of have a guy like a Lionel Hollins, like you mentioned, that can go, look, this is your role. We want you to just do this. We want you to just rebound. We want you to just pass. We want you to just get transition points. Because that's not really realizing the full potential of so many of these young guys. And, you know, 23-year-old going forward, I feel like he's got a lot of untapped potential. That could be um, certainly intriguing to see. I'd like to see that three-pointer. I'd like to see that defensive versatility. And that just I general IQ, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I love the uh, relationship he has with Kenny. I think that's probably one of the best relationships, you know, Kenny has with any player in the team, Sarande. And we've talked about that. And we always bring up. Kenny doing a great job. We also like to shout out the overall the coaching staff. You know, a lot of the assistants spend time with these guys, the player development guys. They help them in the summertime and really take that next jump. Talking about that, Jack, I'm going to throw a trade offer at you. If Denver said, all right, Brooklyn, we will throw you 14 and Kenneth Fareed for the 29th pick, would you take it? Uh, in a heartbeat, Nick. In an absolute heartbeat. Um, I think I that's like- a real possibility. I feel like it certainly could be. I feel like um, there's some people um, bringing up the Spencer Dinwiddie within a trade piece, whether it's you know Spencer Dinwiddie for 14 and and um, kind of three. I would personally take that as well. Uh, I feel like that number 14 pick. I would the, the highest pick the Nets the Nets have had in in a number of years, and getting a guy of that ilk in in, in our sort of system. I think Donovan Mitchell was taking a pick 13, pick 12, something around that range. Um, so I feel like if the there's so much gold that can be found in, in the draft. And I feel like even, even, you know, we saw Jared Allen taking a pick, you know, 22 or 20, uh, somewhere in the, the mid to late 20s. And the fact that, you know, we were able to strike gold with that one, uh, wherever the Nets have their pick, whether it's at 29, whether it's happens to be at 14, um, my fingers and toes are crossed. But would you take it if you were short marks? Yeah, I think I would take it. I think I might take the Spencer one as well. Maybe even, I mean, I think you could probably work some things. You know, there's always been talk about Malik Beasley being another guy or Herman Gomez, another guy they possibly could send if you get more pieces involved. But at 14, there's even been talk about Michael Porter Jr. dropping. You know, there's always, that's going to have a range where players tend to drop. So I think if there's somebody the Nets really like, they might even push a little bit. I don't even care about the second round picks that much. I mean, throw the second round picks in if you want to as well. You could always buy one back later on. Yeah, I feel like those second round picks are likely to be drafted in stashes with a with a few Euro guys. I know that um, Sean Marks has, has his eye on that, and there's been uh, a lot of talks from Nets Daily guys sort of posting uh, what the the amount of guys that the Nets play, uh, the Nets staff have been working at and checking out in, in sort of the draft yep. combine and such. So we'll obviously have plenty of that stuff for you guys uh, coming forward. The Nets 
having some picks. It's going to be interesting to see what the Sean Marks does with them. And obviously, you know, the final starts to roll down a little bit. OTG basketball will be smashing out a heap of coverage, not only with the finals, but in the off season, with, whether it's with the draft, whether it's with the free agency, it's going to be coming at you. And we're going to be coming at you with plenty of pods on the Brooklyn Buzz as well. Nick, as always, it's been fun. Uh, make sure you subscribe again, guys, on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, wherever it is you find your pods. And Nicholas, thank you again, mate. Thank you too, Jack, and thank everybody for listening, and we'll be talking plenty in next. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.